Last call before this month's Paula B. Book Club. In partnership with Chirp Audiobooks, we are reading The Menopause Manifesto by Dr. Jen Gunter this month. Next week, Sunday, November 28th, will be our book club episode. New Chirp users can get $5 off their first purchase with the code Paula5. That's P-A-H-L-A and the number five with no spaces. Plus, there's a link in the description box or show notes that will actually take you directly to the book and apply the discount. If you're not a new user though, no, no worries. The book is on steep discount right now through the month of November, so you can pick it up for just $2.99. Either way, you guys, be sure to tune in next week wherever you listen to podcasts to chat about the book. And now, let's get to today's episode. You're listening to the Fitness Matters Podcast with Paula B, and this is episode number 211, The Compassionate Observer. Welcome to the Fitness Matters Podcast, where every week we talk about the fitness matters that matter to you. I'm Paula B., YouTuber, certified life and weight loss coach, soon-to-be author, and your best middle-aged fitness friend. Are you ready to talk about the fitness mindset that matters to you? Me too. Let's go. Well, hello, hello, my friends. How are you today? I don't know why I'm singing that. (laughs) You guys, I am... I mean, it's kind of related to where we're going to go with today's episode. I am channeling my inner preschool teacher, apparently, to just sing my greeting to you, as I sometimes do. So here's where I want to start with today's episode, is thank you. Thank you for clicking on this one, because I happen to know that the title, The Compassionate Observer, isn't... It's probably not clear, or if it is clear, it's probably not all that exciting or interesting for you. And it might be just one of those things where you're so curious about what that even is, that that's why you clicked. But here was my entire thought process, because I went around and around on this one. I, I I have two minds about how I title the podcast. This is also weirdly foreshadowing for what we're going to talk about today. But I very frequently try really hard to like create a title that I know is going to be enticing for you because it's a problem that you have or something that you'd really like some help with or a topic that you are curious about or something like that. And then sometimes I title them with what this one is. I find this to be a very practical title because I happen to know that I will be referring to this episode several times in the future. I know for a fact that this is one of those foundational episodes that I'm going to put at the top of my YouTube channel. And I know that I'm going to be referring you to this one in the same way that I refer you to episodes like What is a Thought or Facts versus Opinions, like some of those other really foundational episodes that you need to understand this concept to get the most out of the work that we do together. So for me, this is just really practical and pragmatic. Like at some point in the future, you could just search for this and the title is very clear what we are talking about. Because sometimes when we talk about some like really specific issues, I'm trying to think of a particular episode. Um, Well, actually, because I have not made an episode that is titled The Two-Step Tool, (laughs) 
I don't actually remember which episodes we have talked about my my two-step tool where you find your thoughts and decide if they're helpful. And so I'm probably at some point in the future, probably the very near future, going to create an episode that is literally just titled the two-step tool so that I can refer you to it in the future. Because I know I've talked about it numerous times in numerous ways, and I know that I've explained it pretty well but I don't remember which episode it is. And therefore, it's really nice to just have a title that I can remember, that you can search for, that just, it covers exactly what we're going to talk about. So so thank you for clicking on this one. If you don't, didn't know what it was previous to clicking on this, and, and thank you for clicking on this if you are coming back to it at some point in time in the future when I have referred to this episode. So you guys, today we are talking about Dun, dun, dun. You already knew because I told you in the title. The Compassionate Observer. This is, this is a state of mind that is essential for mindset work. And there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about with it before we talk about what I think is the thing that's going to be most helpful to you, which is to say how we get into this state of mind of being the Compassionate Observer. But if you know me at all, and if you don't, hi, I'm Paula B. Welcome. I'm super glad you're here. I always want to know why. Like when in doubt, I want to know why we do things, why we want to know something, why we think things. I just want to know why. And here's why it's important to cultivate the compassionate observer in your own mind for your mindset work. The thing about observing your thoughts is that it creates self-awareness for you. Now, you have the ability to think about your thoughts all the time. It's something that we actually do very naturally and don't necessarily think about what we're doing. So this is a skill you already possess that maybe you haven't honed or practiced on purpose. And the reason why we would practice it on purpose is because it makes us more aware of ourselves. Now, I know that that can sound, I mean, as I'm saying it, I'm like, well, that's just like selfish and self-involved, right? Like, do you really need to pay attention to yourself any more than you already do? Yes. And here's why. It has been scientifically proven. And I love this. I was just reading because I was actually doing some research before creating this podcast for you today because I wanted I wanted to talk to you about like specific psychological principles that have names and things like that. And and one of the the papers that I was reading was talking about how it has been proven that self-awareness in this sense of being the compassionate observer of your own thoughts and behaviors and feelings that it is associated with outcomes, aka results, which is what we talk about all the time around here, like happy relationships, job satisfaction, and even physical health. Uh, You guys, I tell you this all the time, and I love that it's actually been proven, not just because I tell you, but because people way smarter than me have actually done experiments and discovered that when you are self-aware, you are happier and healthier. I mean, come on, come on. This is what we talk about all the time. This is why your fitness matters and your mindset matters to your fitness and health 
and happiness. Made me so happy to read that. So being self-aware is honestly a goal in and of itself because being self-aware can help you with all your other, I'm going to call them like, I'm going to call them superficial goals. And I don't mean that as any kind of a judgment. I know the word superficial sounds like a judgment, but just bear with me here. I think of like physical goals, like I want to weigh such and such, or I want to make such and such amount of money, or I want, I want something for myself. Now, I mean, if you are not new around here, you know that I want you to want things for yourself. In fact, I do have an entire podcast episode called Wanting More for Yourself that is related to this. Wanting things for yourself, like material things or emotional things for yourself. I truly believe that it is it is part of our journey here on earth. And in fact, I would even call it the most important part of our journey here on earth is wanting something for yourself and creating it for yourself. I think that's why we're here. But here's what I'm going to say about that. That wanting something for yourself sometimes falls into categories of wanting, you know, to make a lot of money or to be married or to drive a certain kind of car or to weigh something or to fit into certain kinds of clothes. Those are things that I would consider external and therefore superficial, meaning like on the surface of, and again, not in a judgmental way as opposed to something that you might want internally, such as a feeling of success or a feeling of satisfaction or a feeling of connectedness. When we talk about goals of wanting to feel a certain way, and yes, you will feel a certain way with physical goals and superficial goals also, and that coming really off to the left here is that is the reason why we set goals is to create a certain feeling for ourselves by doing these sometimes physical slash superficial things and sometimes doing the mental and internal work of creating these feelings for ourselves. Anyways, that that was kind of to the side, but it's an interesting thing to think about, like why you have physical or external goals and you know superficial goals or why you might have internal or what would that be called? Subdermal? <laughs> inside your own skin goals. <laughs> That's such a funny thing to think about. But I'm going to I'm going to make a little note of that. <laughs> think about subdermal goals in the future. <laughs> but my friends, having self-awareness, observing your thoughts and feelings and behaviors compassionately is the mechanism by which we get our goals. And it's been scientifically proven. And I love that. Okay, so so what is this compassionate observer? It is a state of mind. And I know that this is where we're going to get into a little bit more of that ephemeral, like, how does this work kind of thing. And I, I'm really, this is why I'm creating this podcast is because I do want to offer you practical step-by-step. Step. This is how you get into this mental state because I know that even though it is something that we do naturally, like it is the way our brains work. We have a subconscious brain and a conscious brain. We think and we observe our thinking. And it is not 100% uniquely human, but it's, it's fairly unique in our world. We, we have some evidence that some other animals can observe themselves and be self-aware that 
not exactly the way that we do because of our the complexity of our language, how we can express our self-awareness, but we have some evidence that some other animals have self-awareness also. But the thing about this self-awareness and being the compassionate observer of yourself is that it is a state of mind. It is a thing that you do in your brain that that requires the development of the skill. You are born with the innate ability to do it, but that doesn't mean that you are even aware or self-aware of your self-awareness. I know we're, we're really peeling an onion here today, how, how meta this gets. In fact, that is even like the, like the scientific word for it is called metacognition, where you are, meta means above or beyond, which Let's go off into left field again really quickly. Did you hear that Facebook is trying to rebrand themselves as meta because it means above or beyond, or as some of us would say, above and beyond, because there's always another way to evolve was the the official line. I, just, I thought that was really funny because for a lot of reasons, really. And I like Facebook. I mean, I like the ability to talk to one another on Facebook, but I understand that that Facebook as a company is problematic. I just think it's really interesting that they've waited this long to rebrand and that they're rebranding with a word that that I don't know that everybody knows or that I don't know that everybody would see the way that they're trying to rebrand. And so I just think it's kind of funny, kind of meta of them. <laughs> anyways, anyways, metacognition or self-awareness or the compassionate observer self is is a state of mind that some people... And I don't disagree with this, associate with meditation. The reason I'm hesitating here is because I find meditation to be very difficult. I find self-awareness to be very easy because it is a skill that I have practiced, but I don't find meditation to be easy. And that's why I want to throw this out here as you don't have to meditate to observe your thoughts. And if you already meditate and understand that, then you have already come to this skill from that direction. That if you know how to meditate, how to observe your thoughts and let them float through and observe your breath and observe your body, that this, the way I talk about self-awareness, might come easier to you. And if you are like me and struggle with meditation, that you can still come to this self-awareness. You can still be self-aware and use this skill, even if you don't like to or think that you can't meditate. So you guys, how do we get there? How do we get into this compassionate observer role? I want to tell you right now that even though it is a skill that you are born with, it might not feel easy And you might like any skill, and I really want you to approach this as though it is a skill because it is, but thinking about it as a skill that you can develop can help you be really patient with yourself when it doesn't come easily to you, even though you have the innate ability, that it doesn't come easy to you to use it, to get into that mental state or to hang on to that mental state for very long or to get much out of it. If you are new to compassionately observing your thoughts and your feelings and your behaviors, 
this is something that's going to take a while to develop. And that's completely normal. And it's completely okay. And offering yourself the grace and the patience, which might not come easily to you as they don't often come easily to me, although, haha, it will come more easily to you the more you develop the skill of self-awareness. I got to be honest here. I'm veering off to the left. Hang on. I'm coming back, but I'm veering off to the left here again. That one of the things that I notice, I used to describe myself all the time as, well, I'm not a very patient person. I feel so much more patient with myself, the more self-aware I am. I don't feel impatient anymore because the more I have developed difficult skills like self-awareness, the more I understand that being patient is part of that process and the more skills that I develop, the more I want to develop more skills and understanding that being patient with myself is part of developing a skill that I want means that I am more willing to be patient. Okay, let's come back to it. How to get to a space of self-awareness? You might, if this is something that is enjoyable to you, learn how to meditate. I don't have a lot of practical knowledge for you on that one. I don't have a step one, sit down, step two. I mean, I do, I guess. Focus on your breathing. Step three, notice that you are thinking and come back to your breath. I mean, that is. these are steps that I have heard so many times. I cannot tell you how often I have tried to come to meditation and don't find that it resonates with me in a way that I can sustain. I think I'm actually really capable of meditation and yet I don't necessarily want to be capable of meditation and therefore I have not practiced it any more than I do, which is to say that sometimes I find myself in what I think of as a very meditative state when I am walking or running because it's such a repetitive physical motion that it allows my brain to go wherever my brain wants to go and I can observe where my brain is going. But here's what I'm going to tell you from from my perspective of thinking about coming to self-awareness practically. I find the most practical and easiest for me way to observe my thoughts, my feelings, and my behaviors is to journal. I find that writing things down on paper helps me physically see my thoughts. And I want you to like really kind of absorb that for a second. When you write your thoughts down on paper, you can see them. You can observe them physically with your eyeballs. That to me is like the most the most basic, and I, I mean that in a nice way, I know that I know that the word basic over the past couple of years has taken on a kind of a different flavor than than maybe it used to before that. I mean, I know that some people actually use the word basic as an insult, which I think is kind of funny. But when you can come to the basics of thinking about observing with your eyes something physical that is outside of you, journaling makes the most sense. Writing your thoughts down in some manner. I mean, I call it on paper because that is how I journal. You can journal into like a voice recorder. You can journal onto the computer with a typewriter. Like you can journal any way you want to. And, and 
you can journal in your own mind. I don't, I don't discourage you from this because for some people it is kind of like a kinder, gentler way. I know that some of us really have some, some real resistance to writing our thoughts down on paper. And I do think that is worthy of you exploring. Like, why does that feel difficult? Why do I resist that? Why wouldn't I want to write things down? And I encourage you to listen for the answers. I mean, this is, this is the act of being a compassionate observer of your thoughts is asking yourself a question, which by the way is step two. I mean, (laughs) I always get ahead of myself, you guys. I'm always so eager to give you all the information that I give you spoilers, but that is, that is the other part of the, the practical part of it. Journaling in general and the way we journal is to ask yourself a question and then write down whatever comes out of your, your mind. You can do this in your head also. For some people, I'll be honest, I think of journaling in your head as a more advanced version of being the compassionate observer. And simultaneously, I think that it is easier than journaling on paper. And so therefore might be the thing you do as a pre-journaling on paper act. I will tell you that I am more successful with observing my thoughts in my head and not on paper because I have observed my thoughts by writing them on paper and because it is slightly easier, because there is less of a barrier to entry, it can be the first thing you do. So almost, it's almost like a, it's almost like a mind journaling sandwich. <laughs> like you can come to where the, the mind journaling and not on paper is the bread. So you can start by simply thinking about your thoughts in your own head and letting that be where you do this compassionate observer work. And then I think the second step is to write things down on paper And then after you have written them down on paper, you can come back to journaling in your mind and or use both of them as equal opportunity observation. Here's what I want you to understand. There's no wrong way to be the compassionate observer if what you are getting out of it is noticing your thoughts and being compassionate. I mean, it's right there in the title when you are compassionately observing, then you're doing it correctly. However you get to that state of being the compassionate observer doesn't matter nearly as much as the act of being compassionate and the act of observing. From a, a, another practical perspective, Because I often find that when, really specifically, when I'm coaching somebody and I'll say, you know, do you notice that that's a thought? Or do you notice your thoughts about this topic, whatever it is that we're talking about? I think that there's another, there's a meta (laughs) level. (laughs) There's there's another version (laughs) of thinking about your thoughts. And some of it is being compassionate, but some of it is, the, the real deep awareness and understanding of a thought as a thought. And this is where it gets harder for me to explain, which is why I'm kind of slowing down here. This level of not just observing your thoughts, 
but being deeply aware of and therefore I'm going to use the word unattached but it's not a complete detachment from your thoughts nearly as much as it is again this state of mind where you're not in your thoughts sometimes we can observe our thoughts and still be in them in a way where we're feeling the feelings we're feeling caught up we're feeling that they are the truth we're feeling that we believe them that we're still not just observing the thoughts but really having the thoughts really being the thoughts and that is that is where i think of the compassionate observer in an even more meta way, which is to say that we're unattached from the feelings that our thoughts create. And this is where, this is where not just being compassionate or just being observer, but by being the compassionate observer, like it's, It's more than the sum of its parts. Like it's more than just being compassionate about your thoughts. It's more than just observing your thoughts. It's coming to this even higher state of of thinking where, where you're not in the thoughts. And the way that I personally come to this compassionate observer position is based on my own experiences in life. And so I'm going to offer you this as like sort of a practical way of thinking about it. And it may or may not resonate with you because maybe this is not your experience. But I will tell you, as a preschool teacher and the mother of formerly young children who are now grown adults, I noticed in myself when I was teaching preschool an ability to be patient that was beyond my normal ability to be patient. <laughs> like, like, again, I, I really did used to think of myself as a very impatient kind of person until I started practicing this compassionate observer on other people, really specifically on very tiny people, <laughs> on, on children who were, you know, the ones who came to my preschool were three and four years old. And being able to help somebody else's child for me it was a really different skill than than helping myself or even helping my own children when you know you can give them back <laughs> and you know that they can talk about you <laughs> i think that this brought out in me a different side of my personality. Like I wanted to be a better adult. I wanted to be a better human being for somebody else's child than I wanted to be towards myself. And I mean, I know that sounds really terrible to think that I didn't want to be that good of a mother to my own children. I did. I still do. But again, Knowing that I was handing these children back to their parents and I had no control over what they would say about me at home made me want to be my best and highest self in a way that that other other situations just didn't occur to me like that. (laughs) 
I mean, speaking of not having any control of what you think about me, you can take that however you want to. I promise I was, I was good to my own children. I was also impatient with my own children. I, I'm fully able to admit that. And there's Blossom jingling in the background. Here's, here's why this was helpful for me and why I present this to you. When you think about yourself observing your thoughts, it will behoove you to get into your highest being, whatever that means for you. That compassionate observer, that position of being your very best and highest self is the thing that's going to help you get into this meditative state and or have self-awareness. And the other reason why it's so powerful for me personally to think about my thoughts and my feelings and my behaviors as small children is because honestly, they kind of are. Your automatic thoughts come from the part of your brain that developed before you were able to think critically about it. And I mean that not critically like being critical of yourself, but the way that I always mean critically is that you were able to form any kind of logical or rational thought about what you are thinking. The fact is most of your automatic thoughts were formed in childhood when your brain was just a sponge and unable to to do much with that information. We form our sense of identity. We form so many of our thoughts. We form so many of our automatic thoughts and behavior like combinations and feeling. I mean, I meant to say thoughts and feelings, but said thoughts and behavior. That's kind of funny. So our thought and feeling and then therefore behavior patterns when we are little, when you have When you have ever worked with children, and I don't know if you have, I mean, that's why this may or may not resonate with you. If you have worked with children, I will tell you, they are very much like wild animals. (laughs) Like they just, they've got no filter. They've got no ability to regulate. They've got no ability to like have any kind of artifact, artifice or like any kind of anything. They say what they are thinking. They do what they are doing and they feel what they are feeling. They are just all out there in a way that we as adults are not. And observing that and just having so much compassion for the fact that they just don't know what they're doing. They're not logical. They don't know. They're still being formed. Like they're just little spongy blobs. And thinking about your thoughts like that, like it's completely okay that they're wild. It's completely okay that they're overly emotional. It's completely okay that your thoughts just are. They just are. And being okay with them because they are tiny, because they are little tiny human beings that don't know better, is for me a very easy way to get into that compassionate sense. Like, You don't know where you are in the world, little tiny human being, and that is completely okay. You've got the rest of your life to figure it out. When you can simply allow your thoughts and feelings and behaviors to exist because they exist without judgment and without thinking that you should know better or you should feel better or you should behave better. No, your your thoughts and feelings and behaviors should just exist as they are 
because because they do. And because they're they're wild and innate and in your brain and came from a time in your life when you didn't have the capacity to do better or think better or feel better. When when you gain this skill, you're going to gain it in very tiny increments at a time. Let me come back to the very practical part of this. In much the same way that you gain any skill in your life. The way that you learn how to knit is by being really bad at knitting. The way that you learn how to cook is by being really bad at cooking. And the way that you learn any skill is by coming at it a small amount of time in any one like session. Don't expect yourself to be the compassionate observer for like hours at a time. Try being the compassionate observer for one thought at a time until you gain the skill and get the endurance to be able to be compassionate about your thoughts for several thoughts, for several minutes, for several thoughts or feelings or behaviors at a time. When you are patient with yourself, you will develop more patience. When you are compassionate with yourself, you will develop more compassion. When you observe yourself, you will develop the skill of observing yourself. Coming at it practically with journaling and with thinking about it as something that you are going to develop over time and thinking about it as though you are observing wild animals or small children, all of those those practical things can help you get into that mental state of being the compassionate observer. And being the compassionate observer will help you create the self-awareness that will get you the thoughts and feelings and behaviors that you want to get your goals in life, to get that feeling of happiness, those things that you want for yourself, and the, the health benefits that you are looking for. My friends, I really hope that this was helpful for you today in both a big picture, a meta way, and in a more practical day-to-day, here's what I'm going to do today, right this minute, to be a compassionate observer of my thoughts and feelings and behaviors. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you again soon. If you're getting a lot out of the Fitness Matters podcast and you're ready to take it to the next level, you're going to love the Get Your Goal Coaching and Accountability Group. We take all the theory and knowledge here on the podcast and actually apply it in real life on your real weight loss and fitness goals. It's hands-on, it's fun, and it works. Find out more at paulabfitness.com slash get dash your dash goal. And let's get your goal.